All right. Praise God and good morning. And <clears throat> I'm excited to uh, deliver this message today. And the reason being is the last couple of days, <clears throat> enemies been trying to get me to come down with something. So it tells me that whatever Lord has to say today, He's trying to keep that from happening. And so um, that's always a good thing um, because that means the Lord is going <clears> to <throat> have a have a message for somebody that uh, that they need to hear. So won't let the devil keep us down in the name of Jesus, and we'll just go ahead and uh, we'll jump right into God's word and see what He wants to tell us today. Um, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter twenty. And as we read some of these scriptures here in in Matthew 20, um, I want you to think about if you're praying for any kind of promotion at work, whether or not you're praying for a new job, maybe not necessarily a promotion, but you just want to do something different, or you're praying for a new house, or you're just praying to be delivered from some sort of situation that's coming up in your life, um, and you're asking God to deliver you, I want you to keep that in mind as we go through some of these scriptures um, in, a, in a moment here. So Matthew chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 22. Matthew 20. <clears throat> And actually, let's back up Matthew 20. Let's start in verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit on your right hand, and one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm, that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall be shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to, to come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So the reason why I wanted you to think about if you're asking God for something there is in verse 22 when Jesus said, do you, you don't know what you're asking for. So the question is, do you know what you're asking for and what you're getting yourself into when you ask God for blessings? Because how many of you realize that when you ask God to bless you, to deliver you from a challenge, it's no different than when you go to your boss and say, I want more responsibility, I want this promotion. What you're really asking for is you want more problems to come up in your life. What you're really asking for is you want more stress, you want less sleep, you want to deal with more people that are just people that you would prefer not to ever have to talk to and deal with. And it's no different than when you're asking God for a blessing because what happens is when God God gives you a blessing and he delivers you from a situation, you become more of a threat to the enemy. And so anytime the Lord delivers you from something, now you've got another notch in your belt. You've got another victory. You know that the next time a situation comes up that you're going to go give it to God. The enemy doesn't like that. So what he starts to do is he starts to ramp up his attacks. So it's important to keep that in mind. 
Because a lot of times we pray for things and we really don't understand why is it that when I finally did get what I asked for, how come things were better for a short amount of time and all of a sudden, bang, I'm getting hit in the face again with something else, okay? And that's the reason why is you start to become more a threat to the enemy. And the enemy just wants to steal everything that he, that he, that, that you have. So if God gives you that new car, what do you think the enemy is going to do? He's going to try to hit, hit that new car with some sort of problem that makes you think, man, why did I get this thing? Lord, you blessed me with this. Why am I having all these problems or you get a new house and all of a sudden you start to see pastors said this on many occasions right you 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 repair your washer and dryer and the next thing you know the refrigerator goes out it's like can i just have joy and enjoy this for just a moment and it's not always like that all right if you think back to when you first became saved and how you were walking on cloud nine then what happens after a while is then bang that cloud nine feeling starts to disappear because now the enemy is starting to see oh man we got another one all right, time to step up the attacks now that the numbers are starting to grow. And then as the numbers grow and you become more victorious, now your victories start to increase, which means you start putting more tools in your toolkit. You have more weapons to go against the enemy, and the enemy doesn't like that. So he starts to get very angry about that. What we've got to start doing as Christians is we've got to start taking more of a leadership role, if you will, in the body of Christ. And what I mean by that is leadership is not just reserved for, if we think of a, an organizational structure, it's not just reserved for those that would be over a group of people or over a particular um, body of work. But as a Christian, you are you have to exercise some leadership characteristics because that's how you get from just coming to church for two hours a day to now actually rolling in being a Christian into your everyday your everyday life, okay? It starts to increase. And we don't talk in 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 um in, in churches don't get into, you know, what does it mean to be a leader and all of that. And that usually sounds like something that you would go into the workplace for to, to go to a seminar about well how do I be an effective leader? How do I lead these people um, that I have in, in front of me? And you see a bunch of CEOs and managers, high level managers that are that are going to these things. But it takes leadership to be able to be victorious in the kingdom of God. It's not just enough to sit back and let somebody else handle, handle the problem. It's not just enough to let somebody else uh, have to pray and, and go to them and say, hey, here's the situation that's going on in my life. And then you ask them to pray for you, but then when they do, you don't take any of that stuff back. Or when you leave church, all you do is you take the information and you hoard it to yourself, but you don't share it with somebody that may be going through, that may be going through a struggle. Okay, So today we're actually going to talk about um, being a leader in the body of Christ. There's four main characteristics uh, of leadership, okay? Boldness, commitment, passion, and sacrifice. And we're going to look at what the Bible says about each one of these things, because if you can really grasp what these characteristics are and how to utilize them in your life, you'll start to be able to get to that next level, if you will, of your relationship with God and becoming a more, uh, becoming a more victorious um, Christian. So let's take a look at boldness, and we're going to actually look at a a, a very familiar uh, account of this in Daniel chapter 3. And it can be scary sometimes when you think about, I got to, you know, step out of my comfort zone as a Christian. I got to go from just... 
coming to church once a week to actually taking this and, 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 and not just applying it into my own life, but trying to help somebody else apply it in their life. And it doesn't mean that, that when you take this information that then all you go out and you start leading Bible study groups and everything like that. And the Lord doesn't always call you to do that. But when you're in the workplace and somebody brings something forward to you, what do you do with what you just heard on Sunday? Or what do you do with what you just read in your Bible that morning? Do you just keep it in your mind like, wow, if I was going through that situation, here's exactly what I would do. I would do bang, 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 bang. And then you don't share that with that, with that individual. And you never know. God might have that person there because you might be the only person that's going to give them the advice that they need to be able to be successful. Maybe they're coming to you because they see the way that you carry yourself and everyone else that they're talking to is telling them to do something one way and inside they're just struggling with that and they don't feel like "Ah, everybody keeps telling me that for some reason I'm just hesitant to take that next step and it might be that what you have to share with them is the next step that they need to take which is completely different from the crowd that's been that's been around them okay so Daniel chapter 8 as we look at boldness I'm sorry Daniel chapter 3 and we're going to start in verse uh, verse 8 Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due to regard you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, in scriptures before this, um, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they were promoted into these, these high-level positions. So keep that in mind as we go through these, as we go through these scriptures, because we're not just talking about um, somebody if, if from an organizational perspective. We're not talking about just someone that's, you know, at an entry-level position. These people have some, some quite a bit of authority um, in, in the roles that they're in. Okay? Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, underline my gods, or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good, but if you do not worship it, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Okay. One thing about being a leader and being bold is that you don't allow yourself to be intimidated. Okay, leaders may feel a little bit of fear every now and then when something pops up, but you don't allow yourself to be intimidated. And if you look at what Nebuchadnezzar is doing, it reminds me of the scripture um, in, in uh, First Peter when, uh, when when God said the devil walks around like a roar, uh, like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. So if you look at what Nebuchadnezzar is doing there, he's doing the same thing. He's throwing some threats at some people that he just appointed into these key positions and saying, if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen 
to you, okay? All right? So as a leader, especially a leader in Christ, do not be intimidated by what the devil's going to bring your, bring your way because he's like a roaring lion. He's dressed up. He's got, I, I almost imagine like a, uh, if I go to Disney World or something like that and you see the Lion King and you see somebody dressed up in this fuzzy suit and you see all the little kids kind of going around and taking pictures with it. He's not really going to roar at you and bite you or anything like that. You're in no harm's way. You got to think about that. You got to start thinking about the enemy as well because he's going to make himself seem like he's bigger than what he actually is and we know God is much, 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 much bigger than that. In fact, if you read scripture and you look at how the devil is going to be defeated and you look at how he was actually kicked out of the kingdom of heaven, it was actually Michael the angel that's actually going to lock him up. If you look at a revelation saying that he's going to chain him up and throw him into the fiery pit. So if you think about it from that perspective where God is so powerful that he can dispatch an angel to defeat the enemy, you should know that God is way more powerful than anything that the devil is going to throw your way. And it's important that you never lose sight of that. Okay? Um, verse uh, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. There's some boldness there. I don't have to say anything to you in this matter. If this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us, underline, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Okay? Almost sounds familiar when Jesus went before Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate kept asking him those questions, and Jesus just sat there and didn't say anything until he did challenge Jesus and said, don't you know I have power of, of life and death over you? And he said, no, you don't. Right? He said, God, the only power you have is what my Father in Heaven has given you. So leaders and being bold in leadership sometimes means that you just, you don't have to answer everything. You just sit back and you let the Holy Spirit guide your words. And here Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, well, God's going to deliver us. We don't have to really get into much explanation around this. We don't have to explain why we're not going to do this. Just know that if you toss us in this fire, what they're saying is two, one of two things is going to happen. One, God is going to deliver me. And two, if not, you're going to know that we're not going to bow down to your, your, your gods and worship that image anyway okay um, so again in verse 18 but if not let it be known to you O king that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up and I can imagine Nebuchadnezzar at this point is like really starting to get angry because it's like I just promoted the three of you to these positions and I'm expecting you to follow my lead and here you've got the nerve to, to stand in front of me and tell me you're not going to you're not going to do this you're going to disobey our direct order so to speak so I can imagine that he's really 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 fuming right now picking up in verse 19 the Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their trousers and their turbans and other garments and were cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. So you see one of the things that he did there, too, um, and, and, and this is also how the enemy operates, all right? And you probably have people in your life that will operate the same way if you haven't seen it already. When you take a stand for God, 
the level of punishment that they want to give to you is always much more than they would do to the non-believer. Okay? You think about that. The level of punishment that you receive for standing up for God is always more than what, the, what, what they're going to give to somebody that's, that's an, un, an unbeliever. So as a leader, your boldness is, to, is, is, is there and important so that you don't get intimidated by that. All right? If somebody says to you, well, I'm going to throw you in this fiery furnace, so to speak, and, and, and if you say, well... Okay, so be it. And they say, well, I'm going to turn it up seven times harder than that. Okay, that's that last-ditch effort to get you to actually change your mind and say, eh, you know what, seven times harder? Eh, he means business. Maybe we should do this. No, you got to stand firm and say, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Whatever you do to me, it doesn't matter because this is my stance. I'm standing for God, and I'm not going to allow, allow myself to be moved. Amen? Verse 22, therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's councils all gathered together and saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. So you see what happened there. You got the king coming against men of God, threw him into the furnace, and he saw Jesus in operation. He saw Jesus deliver them, and he understood then, okay, something, something, something's not right here, okay? So when you are walking through the fire, so to speak, Know that even though when you look around and you've got everyone else coming against you and everyone else putting pressure on you to make a decision or do something that you know is counter to the word of God and you feel like you're alone because part of being a leader is you have to walk alone, quote unquote, so to speak, and you have to kind of separate yourself out from everybody else so you can think and strategize and try to find the way, the way moving forward. That means at times people are going to put pressure on you to do something because you are a leader. Know that when you look around you and it seems like everybody's against you, that God is for you, and you are not truly alone. When you're standing in the midst of that fire, if it's just you, just think to yourself that there's two. It's not just me, it's also God. He's standing here, he's standing here before me. Um, I remember I was going through um, a couple of things, and, and I've had so many people um, in the last uh, year and a half or so um, since I've been in, been in a new role, and a lot of people was, have been saying things like, oh, I don't want your job, and it's not a good time to be in your position, and, and, and all of that, and really, really, really being negative. And when I just get home and I just quietly pray, I get back to my office, I quietly pray, the Lord constantly reminds me, he says, that's why you're actually here, because of what's going on. That's why I'm putting you in this position. Is it going to be easy? No, but this is what I want you to do. You asked for these things, and I'm giving them to you, but whatever you're going through now is preparing you for what's actually going to come. So just keep that in mind and, and, and allow your boldness to say, you know what, I'm going to stand firm in God. I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be shaken. You can say whatever 
whatever it is that you want to say, you can threaten me with this and that and the other thing. You can threaten me with death. Whatever is going to happen, know that I stood here and I said, I will not allow what, what you want to do overcome what I know what God wants to do. If that means that you throw me in this furnace and I burn up, then so be it. But everybody will know that God, that, that God um, is my God and God still will get the glory. Because as you can see here, even Nebuchadnezzar said... Um, what did he say? Um, he said he saw the form that's like the like the like the son of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he knew that God, that the Most High God was uh, was was in there that saved him. Okay, you can see there in verse twenty six, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out and come here. So even then, God still was able to get the glory. Okay, as a leader in Christ, you must take a stand for what God uh, for God. When the popular thing to do is not to stand for Him and His laws, we are not timid as leaders in, in Christ. Okay, and do not mistake timidity for being an introvert. Okay, introverts they think do a lot of an- analyzing before they actually say it, say anything. So that doesn't mean that if that's your personality, that all of a sudden now you got to be this big boisterous person that walks in the room with this thundering voice and taking control. That's not the same thing as being timid. Being timid is when somebody says, "Go out and rob that bank because you need five thousand dollars to go pay this pay this bill," and don't worry, the Lord will give it back to you somehow, some way, and the Lord will give them the money that, that the money that they need. Timidity would be, oh, okay, I'm just go ahead and do it. Right? Being an introvert could mean that you just sit there and think, like, that doesn't sound right. And I'm not going to answer right now because I need to think about this. I need to pray and I need to really see what's going on here. And then you respond. Okay? So don't mistake being an introvert for timidity. Leaders are not, tim- leaders are not timid. And we are not to be timid um, in, in, in when it comes to the things of the Lord. The next characteristics of being a, a leader is commitment. Let's turn to Psalm 119. And we're going to start in verse 1. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Underline all of verse 1. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Underline all of verse 2 and double underline or highlight where it says, who seek him with the whole heart. It's not saying part. It's not saying a piece. It's saying the whole heart. Okay. I'm going to pause there for a second because when a leader sees a situation going on, sees a problem, okay, and if you think of it like a pool, there's all these issues that are going on, and there's the shallow end, and there's the kind of the middle end, and there's the really deep end, all right? When the leader decides, okay, I've got to go and address the problem, they don't walk up to the pool and just start sticking their little big toe in it and saying, eh, I don't like the temperature of that. Nah, I don't like that. I don't think I'm going to go there. I'm going to go try over here. And, ah, I don't like that either. I'm going to just stand back here on the sideline. When the leader sees it, what do they do? They jump in with both feet. Okay? They go all in. They're, they're committed to it. They're looking to solve the problem, and they're putting everything that they have into it. If you're committed to God, then you're not just going to put a part of you 
into seeking him and learning his statutes. You're going to seek him with your whole heart, as it says here in verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Underline keep, matter in fact. Double underline that. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Underline to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me. Underline in verse 8 where it says, I will keep your statutes. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed, by taking heed according to your word? Verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Underline, teach me your statutes. Okay. In order to be able to keep God's commandments, you have to know what his commandments are. The only way to know his, what his commandments are is to actually read the Bible and to study his word and then build a relationship with him. Because you can't, you can't just read the word of God without talking to him and expect to gain a deep understanding of it and to be able to apply it to your life and then to be able to be victorious and live the life that the Lord is expecting you to live. Sometimes we have expectations of ourselves that are so low because of what we go through. And what God is saying is if you really follow me and you really seek my commandments, you will know that my expectations are much, much, much higher. And you can meet those expectations, but you can't do it in and of yourself, and you can't be afraid. You've got to jump into the pool with both feet, okay? Um, So leadership requires a commitment to expanding your knowledge. So we have to expand our knowledge of God by studying his word, and then we have to also work on our relationship with him. We're going to look at here in a little bit the difference between commitment and having passion. So now we're going to go take a look at what passion is, and let's stay in Psalms. We're going to go back to verse, uh, back to chapter 27. Okay. So we've covered two areas of keys to being a a spiritual leader. We've covered being bold. It's important to be able to stand firm in your, your beliefs and your faith in God. And then we talked about having commitment, being committed to learning about God, learning about his ways so that we can understand who he is and how he operates. The next thing we're going to look at is you have to have passion as a leader. You have to be passionate um, about what it is that you need to do. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is, the, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against, came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and, my, and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. So, it's one thing to read the Bible. It's another thing to pray. It's a whole other ball game when you do that and then God tells you to seek me. Okay? To seek me, to seek me, to seek me, okay? Over and over again, you see, seek me, learning my statutes, okay? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, all right? So passion now is really getting towards that emotional response, that, that emotional attachment to, to, to an individual or to, to a particular situation, okay? And the difference between passion and commitment Commitment is going to be all about the subject itself. Passion is going to bring in the emotion towards that subject and even to an individual. If you've ever spoken with anybody that's gone through any kind of marriage situ- issues and every time you talk to them, they have nothing good to say about the spouse and, and the fights that they're getting in, you're thinking like, wow, I can't believe you're putting up with that. And if you ever ask them, you say, so why don't you just get a divorce? The response is usually is because I'm committed to the marriage. The commitment to the marriage is not the same as being committed to the individual or being passionate about the individual. So you have to have the two working together. You have to have commitment for whatever the subject is, and then you have to have that emotional attachment to the person. In this case, we're talking about you have to have a a passion for God. You have to have an emotional attachment to God. You've got to be wanting to, to learn more and more and more about him, because if you're just committed for the cause, then you're no different than the people that are out there and saying, I'm a good person, I'm going to go to heaven. I have the perfect, they, they, they could be outstanding citizens, they could never got in trouble with the law, never sped, never got any kind of ticket, never stole, give to every single charity that's out there, give of their time in doing community service. That's not what's going to end up getting you into heaven. The Bible says, um, you believe in Jesus Christ and, and confessing him as your Lord and Savior, that's what's going to get you into heaven. So the people that are out there saying, I'm doing good, I'm a good person, and, I'm gonna, and all good people are going to get to heaven, are going to be sorely mistaken if they don't actually accept Jesus Christ, okay? That's a commitment to doing good. That's not a passion for God. That's not a passion for Christ. What you've identified there in those folks is, is you could also call them comrades. Those are the people that are always going to fight for the cause, and they don't really care about you as an individual. They're only with you because you're in the process of fighting this cause, but if somebody else comes up and they do a better job of fighting the cause, they will lead you in a, leave you in a heartbeat. So you can't walk away from God if, if you have a passion for him, because you're not fighting the cause for doing good, but you're standing up for God, you're learning about him, and you're building that deeper and deeper, deeper relationship with him, okay? Let's look at some more scripture around... Um, Having uh, having a passion here, we go to Psalm twenty five. Psalm twenty five, and we're going to go in verse one. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, no one who waits on you. Uh, indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those who be ashamed, who deal treacherously without cause, 
Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. Oh, you, oh, you, on you I wait all the day. So again, you see in there, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. God's not going to show you his ways if you don't seek him. Okay? If you don't build that relationship with him, if you don't talk to him. Again, you can't just read the Bible and then forget the conversation with God. All right? You have to do both. Because reading the Bible may give you a surface level understanding of what's going on from a textbook perspective. But you're not going to get into the deeper things of what God is really trying to say through his word if you don't build that relationship with him. You won't truly learn about the Lord's statutes as we saw in, in previous scripture if you don't actually spend time with him. A good way to think about it would be this. If you can learn everything just by reading a textbook, would teachers be needed? You think about when you were in college or when you were in high school. You had this textbook, but you had a teacher for a reason. You were given exams. You had extra study sessions that, could, that would happen after, after school if you, ever, if you so choose. When I was in college, uh, there were a lot of professors that actually took attendance, um, and that was a portion of your grade. So there's a reason why you have... A written word and then you have somebody you have to talk to about that because they're experts in that so you can read this Bible all day all day long God's the expert about everything that's in there so if you're just gonna take this off and say oh yeah I'm gonna read you know a hundred pages a night or something like that well that's all fine and well if you don't talk to the expert about well what does that mean when you say two plus two doesn't equal four then how are you expecting to get that deeper knowledge and that deeper understanding of them okay there's, there's plenty of other scriptures um, that talk about um, passion as well, and, and if you read Psalms, Psalms has a lot of um, a, a lot of scripture in there about seeking God and teaching me your ways and teaching me your statutes. And, and the first thing I'll do in the morning is bless you. So I, I would encourage um, taking a look at, at the various scriptures in Psalm because you'll see um, exactly what it means to have a passion a passion for for, for, for God. It's 150 chapters, so that means the Lord is really trying to say something through those through those. Scriptures. That's not done by not done by accident. Okay. So we've covered three areas about being a spiritual leader: boldness, commitment, passion. The last one we're going to cover is going to be sacrifice. Okay. Leaders have to make sacrifices in order to to, to help people be successful, and in order to be successful as well. We as Christians have to sacrifice things to be able to follow God. And God expects us to do that, okay? Remember earlier when I asked, when we read the scriptures in Matthew, and and Jesus said, you don't know what you ask. Are you ready to drink this cup that I'm going to drink and be baptized with what I'm about to be, with my baptism? So you're going to have to sacrifice in order to be um, uh, a a leader for Christ and being a a Christian leader and a leader um, uh, in the body of Christ. So turn to Hebrews 13. Chapter 13, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. And, and, as we, and as we read all of these scriptures and you're thinking about, all right, how do I take this and, and apply it to my life? The key is that... Um, you're going to have to put work into it. 
right? It, it's one thing to come here and hear the, hear the scriptures and, and be given examples and read the word and pray about it. But at some point, you've got to take this and you've got to actually go out and try it. Um, you've got to actually go out and apply it. You've got to seek God. You've got to put these things into action because it's not enough to just to be able to hear it. So if you want to get to that next level walk, if you will, um, with God, you've got to take this and you've got to start doing it. We can stand up here to we're blue in the face. You can read every single scripture. You can listen to every, go to every single Bible study. You can listen to every single televangelist that are, that's out there. At the end of the day, if you choose not to take this and apply it, it's not going to go anywhere. All you're doing really is you're really wasting your own time because all you're doing is sitting there and getting it and you're not doing anything with it. It's not going to sink in deeply until you actually actually try it. Okay. So Hebrews 13 verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Underline that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which, from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by their high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. For here we have no... Uh, no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Thereby, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share for those, uh, and do, uh, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So you can see there in verse 15, um, let, uh, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Now, you may think, why is praising God a sacrifice? Okay. I mean, isn't that what God wants us to do? So why would he be calling that a sacrifice? Well, let's be honest. There's times when you don't feel like doing that, right? There's times when you wake up in the morning, you may have a million things that you know is going to be going on, a million challenges you're going to be facing, and the first thing that comes to mind is, how am I going to deal with these challenges? How am I going to deal with these people that I don't even want to see today, all right? It's hard at times to sacrifice, and or it's it's hard at times to praise God. And if you think that it's not, then you're 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 fooling yourself. Um, when you get sick, is it always easy to raise your hands and praise God? No. If you work in seven days a week, is it hard to actually get up and come to church and sacrifice some time to go learn about God? Absolutely it is. That's why God is saying in there, continually offer the sacrifice of praise because God knows that as much as he wants that and as much as he love, He, he, he would love us to do that, there are things out there, there's forces out there, the enemy is out there, and he will bring things in your path that will keep you away from doing that. 
Okay, in the form of sickness, um, it could be in the form of of being tired. Um, it could ju- it could be anything that's going on. It could be a whole bunch of challenges that take you off of what the, of what God is trying to talk to you about. And so to be able to say, all right, even though I'm tired, even though I've got these million problems that are going on, for this moment right here, I'm not going to think about those, and I'm actually going to pray. Okay, that's that's a sacrifice. Okay, let's look at some more and go to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to go to verse 25. We're talking about sacrifice here. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. If you think that's not a sacrifice, then wow. People will get you angry, right? There's some things that people will do to you that just really, 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 really get your blood boiling, all right? It's a sacrifice to be able to not be angry with them, to forgive them, or to tell them that you're sorry for whatever your part is before you actually go to sleep, okay? That's a sacrifice. Verse uh, 27, nor give place to the devil, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Is it always easy to get up and go to work in the morning? Probably not, right? That's a sacrifice. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the, for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Okay? If you're going to take this journey as a, as a spiritual leader, okay, you've got to be able to forgive people. You've got to be able to control your temper. It doesn't matter how angry somebody makes you. Um, you've got to be able to, to get a handle on that and get a grip on it. You can't have any kind of unforgiveness. I don't care what it is loved ones have done to you in the past. I don't care if it's... And, and you see this a lot nowadays where you hear people that are... Uh, you hear adults talking about how they just couldn't forgive their parents for what they did or they, or they didn't do. You have to get over that. And any Christian that's still harboring that and harboring unforgiveness, well, we know what the Bible says about unforgiveness, okay? Um, um, Jesus said that don't bring any, any tie to me until you go reconcile with your, with your brother. Leave it there and go, you know, take care of that before you actually come and bring any kind of tithe. So, so God is very, very serious about harboring any kind of unforgiveness. That's a major sacrifice for anybody that's, that, that wants to operate as any kind of, any kind of leader. And for us to become leaders in, in, in God, we have to recognize that People are going to come at us all sorts of ways with all sorts of issues, and they're going to treat us horribly, okay? That's just the way it is. Jesus said, you will have trials and tribulations. Jesus said, know that when they persecute you, they hated me before they knew you, okay? So you know those things are, go- are going to happen. You've got to be able to, 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 to walk in Christ and be able to just walk away from that and say, all right, I just know that this is, it's not personal. Again, we wrestle not with flesh, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? Remember that scripture. We wrestle not against flesh 
and blood. So it's not you, it's the spirit that's driving you. Okay? That's why you're treating me the way that you're treating me. And you can't allow yourself to get bent out of shape and then start acting like the world is acting. Alright? You won't be able to get to that next level with God if you start acting like the world. While we are in this world, we are not of the world. So we cannot act like them. And if we do act like them, then how are we going to be any different than, than the world? How are we going to have allow the, the Christ light in us to shine if we're going to, going, to, going to smother it because we want to please the world? Okay? So to wrap, uh, wrap this up a little bit here, um, a couple of key things that I also, I also want to touch on about um, being a leader. And we said, again, four characteristics, boldness, commitment, passion, and sacrifice. If you put all of those together, okay, you're being bold in the, in, in, in the word of God and you're standing for what, what God believes, okay, and you're being committed to, to learning and studying and you have a passion for following him, and then you sacrifice you, to let God come over and take take over, take control of your life, you're going to be a major, major, major threat to the enemy. Okay, so when that happens, all right, and when you take this walk, and, and I hope when you walk out of here that you all say, you know what, I am going to take that next step, and I am going to start looking at how do I become a, um, a leader for Christ. Know that the enemy is not going to like that, and he's going to come back and he's going to try to hit you. Okay, now when he does that, though, you know the Word of God, seek God. Pray, ask him to give you an idea of what could be coming down the pike because he's going to be trying to hit you. And when he does, you gotta, you, you gotta get some, some boldness and you gotta get some gumption and recognize that he's not as powerful as he thinks he is. Okay? Being a spirit being, yes, physically he will overpower you, but you have the spirit of God in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So you'll be able to overcome him by using the word of God through the name of Jesus going, going to God the Father. And when he comes against you, I mean, get an attitude about it, you know. I mean, you look at him and, you know, if you don't get out of my face, I'm going to bust your head to the white meat or something like that, you know. you got to really, 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 really let him know that I'm not the one to be messing around with here because God the Father's got my back. And you don't know what you're getting yourself into. If you're going to hit me, I'm going to hit you and I'm going to hit you a whole lot harder because of who my Father is, okay. And know that every single time that he hits you, the more and more victorious you become, the harder it hits him. Okay, and he's going to regroup, and he's going to try to come and he's going to try and come and get you back. Um, if you ever watch the military, whenever they're having a battle with, uh, you know, with, with, could be Al Qaeda or any kind of um, or organization in, in other countries, there's times when they don't see what's happening. They they can't quite make out where the enemy is. They just know that they're somewhere in that direction. All right, and then what they'll do at times is they'll call in and they'll say, "We need to do a show of force." And that show of force is they'll bring a couple of helicopters or a few airplanes and they'll fly them low. They'll fly them slow right over where the enemy's position is just to show them you better not mess with us because we've got some power, some, some firepower here. We're going to get you. Okay. You got to have that same kind of mentality with the devil is you better not mess with me because I've got, I've got somebody back here or someone up there that's going to take care of me. And if you come against me, he's going to, he's going to flatten you. Okay. So don't, don't get in here and start messing around. Now, I'm not saying that you go out there and you start trying to pick a fight with the devil or something like that. Like, wake up and say, I wish you would hit me today. I'm not saying that at all, okay? You got to use some wisdom. But when he does come in, he does come at you, 
Let him have it. Okay, let him have it in the name of Jesus. Don't stand for it. You are a child of God. We know these things are going to happen. He's not that strong. and He's only doing this as a way to try to scare you. He's only trying to intimidate you. Are you going to have challenges and trials and tribulations? Yes. Is he going to hit you and are you going to get knocked down? Yes. But you got to get back up and you got to stay in the fight. Okay, and that's part of being a leader, leader for Christ. So as you go out there today, tomorrow, next week, next month, and you start having these challenges, Challenges, just remember that to be a leader for God, you can't be fearful, right? You gotta, you gotta just say, you know what? I see all of this stuff around me. Everybody else is gonna be afraid, but if I'm a leader for God, that means I'm going this direction. I don't care what everybody else is saying. God is telling me this. I've got laser focus. I've got tunnel vision. I'm going in this direction. Any force of darkness that tries to come against me in the name of Jesus, I rebuke it and I send it back to the pit of hell. And you just keep on charging forward and you will see that you will be victorious. It may take a little bit longer to get through some of these things because the more skill you get and the more the enemy starts to see you hitting him. He's going to regroup and he's going to try to come at you with something else. Just know that the more and more challenges that you get and the longer that they take to overcome, know that means that God is preparing you for something that's great and mighty, something that you've, you've never even dreamed of. Amen. Amen. With that, let's go ahead and prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.